Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week eight of the college football season. Sorry for taking the two weeks off there. Things just got a uh, a little busy with with the job that they they actually pay me to do, and then uh, a trip to Disney World, which uh, I was hoping to actually have a uh, an interview done in advance that I could have then uh, posted uh, during the week that I was away, but. Just, just hard to get a hold of some people, and and you know maybe for that reason we won't be uh, going out of our way to celebrate uh, the Utah State Aggies from this point forward on this program. But you know we still root for them, and we still we still wish the program all the best. But hopefully to make up for the two weeks off, I'm coming a day early with this podcast for you, the listener, and also to accommodate producer John who is getting married to executive producer Ellie this weekend. So just uh, in terms of fitting into all of our schedules, uh, coming coming to you with this episode one day early. Congratulations to them. Looking forward to the weekend ahead. But since we did take a two-week break, maybe it's a good opportunity, instead of just focusing on what happened last week or the, you know, the, the latest news or anything like that, take a step back. Look at the landscape about halfway through the season here. Um, a lot is a lot has happened since the last time that we spoke. Uh, big picture, I still think it's Georgia and Alabama competing for the national championship. Uh, Oklahoma may be solidifying its place as the best of the rest after switching quarterbacks to Caleb Williams. More on that a little later. Um, Iowa obviously took the big loss against Purdue this past weekend because, as we've said, you can't survive on turnovers for an entire season. Penn State probably would have beaten them if Sean Clifford hadn't gotten hurt a week earlier. So Iowa's down. Again, they, they could run the table in the weak Big Ten West, uh, but it wouldn't shock me to see them lose another game either. On the other side of that conference, the Big Ten East is about to get very fun as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State are all about to start playing each other starting in week nine. None of them have played each other yet, so it's going to be carnage in the Big Ten East, and it will be a lot of fun to watch. Oklahoma State gets to 6-0. and um, Maybe a tougher schedule than you might realize if you want to go take a look at what they've done. Wins against Baylor, Texas, um, some, some other not easy games in there. They're about to be tested again this week. So pretty impressive 6-0 and start for Oklahoma State, doing it with defense in the run game, much more so than you might be used to with an Oklahoma State team. Cincinnati has absolutely killed everyone that they've played since that big win against Notre Dame. They keep doing their thing. They're going to position themselves for a playoff spot. Then we got Wake Forest, Coastal Carolina, SMU, San Diego State, and UTSA all remaining unbeaten, albeit against much weaker competition thus far. Uh, but at this point in the season, the longer you can stay undefeated, you know, it's it's one it's survive in advance one week at a time. Um, and, and at least this podcast, if you're undefeated, will be saying you deserve a spot in the playoff. Um, Notre Dame quickly. I'll just say I'm I'm done making game by game predictions for the time being. Um, they could certainly win every remaining game on the schedule. Um, with with the way the Navy has been improving lately, uh, I, I would say it's 
also possible that they could lose every game on the schedule remaining. Uh, I, I predicted nine and three before the season started. I have not changed that nine and three prediction at any point during the season, and I will not be changing that nine and three prediction until they either have ten wins or four losses. So as long as nine and three remains possible, that will remain my prediction. Uh, it does seem like the O line is is slowly improving based on some personnel changes. Uh, that should that should hopefully help Jack Cohn a little bit. Um, who I, I do support continuing to start for the time being, although I think we will be and need to be seeing more and more of Tyler Buckner as the season goes on. It looks like he has what it takes to be the guy, certainly next season and, and maybe later this season when all is said and done uh, with, with both the arm and the legs. All right, I think that was a pretty good recap of where we are halfway through the season and, and what we have to look forward to. I think it's time to talk a little Heisman. Um, this is a, this is an area where this podcast has tried to give good information in the past. We were on a little like a three year hot streak of, of finding profit at some point, either preseason or mid season. Then the the big uh, you know Trevor Lawrence or um, Tua season when when I pretty much said one of those two is going to win the Heisman. Just bet all you have on both um, and, and take the profit. That didn't go so well as a, a guy named Joe Burrow uh, came out of nowhere to absolutely run away with that thing. But uh, I think we're pretty much down to three candidates that have a real chance. Um, although before I get to those guys, I just want to mention some guys that I don't think have a chance but deserve some mention. Uh, Kenneth Walker at Michigan State. Uh, he's rushed for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns at this point. I just think that you know with what I mentioned about the Big Ten East, that gauntlet, I just don't see him uh, putting up the same kind of numbers against Michigan, Penn State, maybe Ohio State because they are uh, a little bit weak against the run, but Michigan and Penn State probably going to make things harder for Kenneth Walker there. Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati, completing 65% of his passes, 1,500 yards, uh, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, another two rushing touchdowns. You know, certainly uh, big, big wins going into Indiana, into Notre Dame, getting those wins and, and leading uh, who is currently what the number number two team in the country? Number three? I don't know if they're two or three at this point. Maybe depending on the polls. I don't care that much about the polls. They're not something I pay much attention to. But leading one of the top teams in the country is Desmond Ritter. If you thought his numbers were good, hard to not like the next guy, Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. He is completing a ridiculous eighty percent of his passes, also at fifteen hundred yards. 14 touchdowns, one interception with two rushing touchdowns tacked on. He's on pace to break the passing efficiency record. It's, you know, the 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 shunts were the darlings of, of last season, and they might be better this season. I mean, McCall is certainly playing better, and they're just not really getting the attention. So uh, interesting to see um, as, as that moves forward and, and he continues to play the way that he's been playing. Um, Bijan Robinson is the guy where he's maybe the most impressive looking player in the country. If you watch him for a whole game, uh, he's at 1100 rushing yards. I should mention running back for Texas, 1100 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns, just ridiculous numbers. And he does things on the field that it sometimes looks like, you know, one of those situations where you're watching highlight film of a guy in high school that's just so much better than anyone he's playing against. Sometimes you see a little bit of that. 
from Bijan Robinson. Easy to draw the comparisons to guys like Reggie Bush, Darren McFadden, other guys that wore um, number five in in college, and and he looks, uh, you know, he he's a little bit like. You know, you take a little bit of this guy and a little bit of this guy and, and you start putting together like the perfect running back. He's been looking a lot like this. But again, already three losses for the Longhorns on the season, probably at least one or two more coming. It's just not going to be Bijan Robinson. And the last guy could be someone that most of you have never heard of, and that's Jareth Stearns, uh, wide receiver for Western Kentucky. In six games, he has eight touchdowns and is averaging averaging over six games 160 yards receiving per game. Just truly insane numbers. Again, it's not going to happen. I think they're like two and four, and it's Western Kentucky, so it's certainly not going to happen. But just absolutely ridiculous receiving stats. I mean, we've got that guy, what, Calvin Austin from Memphis has been awesome. Drake London's been incredible for USC. This guy is the best of the best when it comes to the group of receivers in the NCAA this year. Just amazing numbers from him. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on his stat lines moving forward. Let's go ahead to the three guys that I think really have a chance. And one thing, I'll be mentioning uh, betting lines for for these players. And the Heisman is something where, you know, different books can have very different numbers. So I'm going to give the numbers that I've seen, um, but, but certainly you could be seeing different numbers and there could be, you know, different value opportunities for you if you have... Uh, better numbers in certain spots. But first, uh, the the favorite based on the numbers I saw is Bryce Young at plus 175. And really this comes down to he's the quarterback for what I believe is the best non-Georgia team in the country. And Georgia doesn't have any offensive players that really have a shot at this thing. He's completed 70% of his passes. He's up at 2,000 yards. A ridiculous 24 touchdowns already to three interceptions. I mean, that's just... Uh, that's a pretty crazy touchdown number there, uh, and and certainly just you know the the expectation that he's going to continue to do it as as so many Alabama quarterbacks have over the last few years. The numbers should continue to be there, and you expect that the wins will continue to be there. Ultimately, you might just be betting on Alabama to win the SEC championship at that point. So you might I don't know currently I, I should have that number in front of me. You might be better off just betting on Alabama to win the SEC championship. Um, because, you know, I, I think if they win, there's a good chance Bryce Young wins. So maybe uh, maybe you're just better off doing that, but something to think about. Then at plus 200, just behind Bryce Young, is Matt Corral. And it's just a situation with him is, are his numbers going to be good enough to overcome what's probably not going to be a great win-loss record? Um, you know, outside of Bijan Robinson, who I just talked about, Matt Corral is so clearly the guy that you look at and just say, okay, that's the best player in college football. Um, You know, he slings it all over the field. He does it with his legs. He has toughness, just everything. He's just the guy this year, which often I think is what the Heisman really should be rewarding. Um, And and it's absolutely him. I mean, his numbers, 66% passing, 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception. He threw his first pick uh, in that crazy game against Tennessee. But with him, he's also rushed for an additional 300 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, the, t- the total touchdown numbers are up there uh, with Bryce Young. And he's just been such a guy for that team. It's been incredible. So I truly think one of those two is going to win the Heisman Trophy. So if you want to bet both of them, there is profit there. It's, it's not, you know, great profit, but 
hey, the, the more you bet, the more you win. Because um, I, I do, I just don't really see a path for anyone but one of those two guys winning the Heisman Trophy. So if if you if you see it the same way, you can you can bet both Bryce Young and Matt Corral and uh, and you know collect on. I can't do the math off the top of my head, but you're uh, you're, you're you're making some profit there as long as one of the two wins. The third guy that I want to talk about. At 25 to 1, and 25 to 1 on Heisman bets is a special number for this podcast. It's Caleb Williams, true freshman out of Gonzaga in Washington, D.C. Big shout out to the Eagles. The kid is absolutely nuts taking over for Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. Um, I mean, you watch him play. It looks like he's throwing a tennis ball out there the way he just rips it from any arm angle, any foot placement. He can just put the ball wherever he needs to. What he did against Texas was incredible. Uh, What he did this last week against TCU was incredible. He's got good speed, uh, and he's a strong runner. He's hard to bring down. You see him bounce off tacklers. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculously small sample size, but he looks like Cam Newton with a more live arm so far with what he's done. Just absolutely, you know, I, I said that Matt Corral's like the guy this season. Caleb Williams, just based on six quarters of football, is the most probably talented player in all of college football. Uh, I, I know that sounds ridiculous after a guy, seriously, he's played six quarters, but he's been incredible and it's showing up on the stat sheet. So throwing out just a, a garbage time appearance, as I said, he's essentially played a, a game and a half at this point. He's thrown for over 500 yards and six touchdowns, zero interceptions, run for another 150 and two touchdowns. Again, given how lifeless Oklahoma looked with Spencer Rattler, this storyline I think is possible. He's just got to be absolutely perfect for six games here. Um, but that being said, and if you want to, you know, if you want to take a sprinkle on, on the 25 to 1 and, and ride with Caleb Williams the rest of the season, it's probably going to be fun. I just don't think it'll ultimately end up with profit because I just think there are too many purists voting for this award who are just not going to vote for someone who starts seven games. Even if they are perfect in those seven games, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, so therefore, uh, you know, probably not the best bet, but given some of the flaws of the other candidates, again, there could be some Alabama fatigue with Bryce Young. Uh, you know, if they lose another game and they, they don't even, uh, win the SEC championship, that could be hard. And then, as I mentioned, the win loss record with Ole Miss could make it tough on Matt Corral. That's just sort of what opens the door and makes it possible. But ultimately I just, uh, I just don't think it's going to happen for Caleb Williams. But uh, I, I certainly think that as he continues to play really well, that 25 to 1 number could come down a little bit each week. Moving ahead to week eight, uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm recording a night early so that I can tell you that Coastal Carolina is playing at App State on Wednesday night at 7.30, so hopefully you're listening to this in time to make sure you get in front of a TV for that one. Probably the toughest game of the year for Grayson McCall and the Chanticleers in that one, so certainly uh, one worth keeping an eye on as Coastal Carolina tries to stay undefeated. Um, Pretty weak schedule on Saturday overall. Uh, We got Wake Forest traveling up to Mikey Stadium on the Hudson River to play Army. You know, it's always tough to play a triple option team when you're not used to seeing the triple option 
on a regular basis. So a bit of a challenge for Dave Clawson and his team in this one. But ultimately, I think Wake should have just enough offense, but I absolutely expect a battle. And this is the kind of game, you know, if Wake Forest falls behind, all of a sudden, number of possessions are, are you know, down in, in a game like this. Army's going to have long possessions run the clock. And, you know, if, you, if all of a sudden you fall behind by two scores, that can it's like trying to get out of quicksand. It's just not going to happen. So Wake has to start fast in that one um, and, and keep an eye. Certainly the first quarter is going to be incredibly important in that game as Wake tries to stay undefeated. We've got Oklahoma State at Iowa State. You know, we've all pretty much stopped paying attention to the Cyclones. Uh, but it turns out, you know, they, they had that loss against Baylor. It turns out Baylor's better than we thought. Um, and, and Iowa State bounced back with impressive performances against Kansas and Kansas State the last couple weeks. Uh, the Cowboys, on the other hand, finally got everyone's attention with that win against Texas last week. I had a suspicion that, that ISU might be favored in this one, but I was expecting something in the three range. Uh, they were favored by six and a half. That really jumped out to me, so I took it. Um, since giving that out on Twitter, that line has moved up to seven. So, so I'm certainly, uh, you know, if, if you haven't gotten it yet, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, follow, follow me on Twitter at StephenCon12, and, and you can get these numbers early before they move. Um, so, so a half point of value there if you got on that one early. I think the Cyclones just take care of business in this one. They're the better team and they should win this one by two scores. Uh, Oregon at UCLA, another one where the line has moved a half point uh, in our favor on this one. Oregon has really been struggling offensively, scoring 24 points in the last two weeks. That's in a loss to Stanford and a close win against Cal. Quarterback Anthony Brown is just not really getting it done, and uh, and C.J. Verdell's been injured, so just, uh, you know, he, he had been sort of the, the heart and soul of that offense a little bit. UCLA bounced back with two nice wins against bad teams. I I expected UCLA to be an underdog in this one. I was planning to say that they were going to be a live dog and, and we were going to keep a close eye on them and probably pick them. Then when I saw they were laying a one and a half points, it made me like them even more. So jumped on that one. That one's now up to two. Um, you know, it's a, it's a relatively early start over there on the West Coast. It's not going to be a big crowd. UCLA is very used to that atmosphere. Oregon is maybe less used to that atmosphere. I like UCLA to win this game. So, you know, if if if, if they win by one, that's too bad. But uh, if, if I'm expecting UCLA to win and the line's only one and a half or, or maybe up to two, we're going to we're going to lay that small line and uh, and hope the Bruins can uh, can pull it out because Oregon has looked really shaky in this one. And uh, and that brings me to my third pick. Of the week, what we pretty much did this week is we uh, we looked at the most surprising lines and went in the surprising direction. And there's no line more surprising, certainly if I had told you this at the beginning of the season, than Clemson plus three and a half at Pittsburgh. Um, Kenny Pickett's been leading a potent Panther offense, averaging 48 points per game. And at this point, if a team can score, how can you possibly pick? Clemson to beat them. Clemson has scored 14, 21, 19, and 17 points in their four ACC games this year. They're going to need to hit at least 28 to win this one. I don't think there's really any evidence that they can do that. Ultimately, I, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked by the line, but it, it makes a lot of sense. It's just we're not used to seeing it. 
I think Pitt wins this one, um, certainly by a touchdown. Um, so, so we're going to lay the three and a half with Pitt and, and hope, uh, hope Kenny Pickett can, can lead us to victory in that one. Other games of note, again, it's just, it's a pretty weak schedule. Um, we've got Tennessee at Alabama, uh, probably not going to be close, but, but Tennessee has shown that they can score. Although if Hendon Hooker is hurt, which it seems like he certainly might be, uh, I'm not, I'm not trusting Joe Milton in this one, but, uh, but if, if Hooker is healthy and can play, uh, you know, look for Tennessee to at least keep it somewhat close, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, scoring scoring some points and 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 making Alabama at least outscore them. Uh, San Diego State at Air Force. Air Force is a three and a half point favorite. I only mentioned that because San Diego State's one of those undefeated teams that I mentioned, and they are an underdog in this one, so we could be losing one of our few remaining unbeaten's. Same reason I'm telling you that UTSA is playing at Louisiana Tech, although UTSA is favored by a touchdown. In that one, uh, Ohio State goes to Indiana. Um, Indiana has absolutely no offense, so I don't actually expect them to be able to win this game. But you know they're going to play hard. You know they they had big expectations this season that were not realistic expectations, and they got dashed pretty quickly. Now they're just sort of back to being that plucky underdog. How much trouble can they give? Ohio State's offense. If Ohio State's offense is really clicking, this is going to be a blowout. But if Indiana can drag them into the mud and make this a grinded out game, it could be close in the second half. And then lastly, we got USC at Notre Dame. Again, I've said I'm done predicting Notre Dame games, but what I'll tell you is that Drake London, wide receiver for USC, is absolutely incredible. Um, but Notre Dame did a good job earlier this year of containing David Bell of Purdue. Two years ago, they had Michael Pittman coming in for USC. They completely shut him down. So I expect them to have a game plan in place to not let Drake London beat them. And, and fortunately, this time around, USC doesn't have as many playmakers surrounding their best receiver that they have in years past. So I think Notre Dame is going to be willing to let other players try to beat them. Um, if, if Notre Dame is able to get pressure on Keaton Slovis, they can really, I think, lock up USC's offense quite a bit. Um, on the other side of the ball, it's going to come down to Notre Dame's offensive line as it has pretty much all year. Um, USC has, a, has some, some solid pass rushers on the outside, but if, if the offensive line can step up, uh, give Jack Cones and, and Tyler Buckner some time to throw and open up some running lanes, I do think Notre Dame will have the opportunity to score some points in this game. So definitely going to be keeping a close eye on that, albeit a close eye on my phone from the dance floor. We're looking to get out there and crush it. Cue up Mr. Brightside. I'll see you guys next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.